goodness. Whew. Just before the third service was about to start, my uh, battery went out. So, <laughs> sorry about that. How's everybody doing? How's everybody doing? Oh my goodness. It is so good to see you guys. Um, wow, this is my first rodeo. <laughs> wow, this is so great. I'm so happy to be with you guys. It's been a blessing and a joy. I believe that the Lord has something very special to say to each and every one of us. As soon as I get this thing on, we will get started. Alrighty. Woo, even the kid is rejoicing. <laughs> Alrighty. My goodness. How's everybody doing today? All right, how many guys are ready for Rodeo Sunday today? Woo, it is going to be amazing, so I hear. How many guys are going to challenge the bull, or the bull riding thingy thing? Yeah, I don't know. I'm, I'm going to try. I'm going to try, but wow, it is such a joy to see everybody. Welcome to Christian Faith Fellowship. My name is Pastor Josh. I'm the associate pastor here at the church. I'm so glad that you're here. Um, yeah, it's going to be an amazing Sunday. We got a lot of great things in store. Please keep uh, Pastor uh, PD, well, we all call him PD, <laughs> in your prayers. Uh, you know, his beautiful wife, Kim, had a, a surgery. Uh, praise God, she is in recovery mode right now. God is good. Absolutely. So continue to keep in your, her in your prayers. They're still at the hospital. They're scheduled to be released today. And you know how crazy hospital visits are, so pray that he slows down, Pastor Dave slows down, and they're able to actually rest, because you don't get any rest in a hospital. Amen? Amen. It is good to see you guys. I've been told to make an announcement uh, that those of you who came in the vans, we, have, we will be taking you after this service, but also after Rodeo Sunday, so you guys don't have to go anywhere. Um, yeah, we got a lot of great things in store. I mean, we have our chili uh, cook-off. We have food, games, prizes, tequila. Well, not tequila, but we just have a whole bunch of fun. We are going to have a blast today, and we are so glad that you are here. We are so glad that you're here. My goodness. <laughs> wow. And as I said, this is my first rodeo, so uh, this should be interesting. I got to tell you guys, I mean, I came about a month ago from Ohio. And Ohio is doing some really, really bad snow weather, so the Lord apparently loves and favors the South. <laughs> yes, that's right, that's right. So we are so glad that you're here, as I said before, and we pray that you are blessed and that you have a wonderful time after the service and you get something out of the service. Cool, cool? Cool. All right. So God, wow. Whoa, give it up for our praise team. My goodness. I mean, they just, I love how the Lord, absolutely, absolutely. I love how the Lord uses the gifts uh, that he's given us to, to just bless other people. And you know, the, the gifts that he's given you, this is something I, that I try to get my youth to understand is that God has given them specific gifts uh, uh, personally. Our, we serve a personal God. And, our, and because he's given us these personal gifts, it is our duty to give those gifts back to him. Right? All right. So I pray that you get something out of this service, that the Lord does something in your life. I really feel like I have a message of something that you guys need to hear, and I pray that he uh, fulfills his promise. Well, I know he'll fulfill his promise just uh, through me, but we serve an amazing God. Amen? Amen? Amazing, amazing God. We serve a God who knows what he's doing, a God who's in control. God is good. And all the time. All right, let me say that again. God is good. And all the time. Now, why? 
I mean, think about it. Man, I want you guys to think about that for a second, okay? I want us to, to, to get ourselves out of the mind of, uh, of religious churchianity and into a time of wondering why he is good. Okay? All right, I want us to have that ingest in our subcraniums and, and, and figure out, and so we can just reason together why he is good. I mean, have you ever thought of that? I mean, just, I mean, seriously, in, in, in your time, uh, uh, personally, in and outside of your relationship with other people, when it's just you and the Lord, have you ever thought of why he is good? I mean, I'm, not, I'm not saying that he's not reliable or perfect or has a plan for us, but have you ever been in a situation or a season in your life where you have honestly wondered why? I mean, why is he good? I mean, should, should I even think about that? Should I express my struggles and my doubts? I mean, what will happen if I do? What it would happen if I come to this house of worship real and open and honest and not come to church uh, pretending like I'm supposed to be something, but to come to church saying, look, I don't get it. And sometimes I trust God to be honest with you. Sometimes I don't. Sometimes I have my doubts and my struggles. Will I be relatable? And sometimes the more important question is, will I be accepted? So many times we, as I said before, we end up coming to church programmed like we're supposed to raise... I mean, how many of you guys grew up in the church? Raise it. I mean, there's a lot of pause right there. I mean, we, we've grown up in the church. To be honest with you, we know what is expected of us. We know what we're supposed to say, when we're supposed to say it, how we're supposed to worship, how we're supposed to approach other people, what to say, what not to say. I mean, we, ch- we come to church so many times already programmed to be this certain image, but a lot of times, if we're honest, that image is a lie. I mean, sometimes we get so caught up in these lifestyles, these churchy sayings, these moments of, of surfaced churchy unity where we are almost programmed to respond how we think we're supposed to respond without stopping to question whether we believe what we're truly saying. Let's be honest here. Let's be real. I want us to think about that this morning. Think about those times where you just, you just don't know. You're just not sure. You just don't know what's going to happen. I'm sure you've been in a season of your life where you did not know whether to believe that God was good or not. You know, a season whether to believe that he's even there. How many of you guys have been, honestly been in those kind of seasons before where you just questioned God? We just looked up to the heaven and said, what gives God? I mean, seriously. I mean, I see, here I am doing what I'm supposed to, living how I'm supposed to. I mean, how come you are blessing everybody else but me? How come I am rejoicing and celebrating the miracles of everybody else but my own? Have you ever been in a season? Can you agree with me, church? Have you ever been in a season like that? A season whether to believe that he's even there. Like when a death is announced or a disease is diagnosed or when a marriage surprisingly comes to an end or a trusted friend that you've known and trusted your whole life stabs you in the back and those moments of genuine hardships that are genuinely not your fault. Those moments that cause us to take a step back and look up at God with an honest and heartbreaking why. Can you agree with me, church? 
I'd like to take a few moments of your time this morning to digest this with me. I know this is a beautiful day. It's gorgeous. God, Tucson has some beautiful weather. You know, and I know that we have a lot of great things planned, but I truly feel within my heart of hearts that this is something that someone here specifically needs to hear. So please, uh, in the name of all that is holy, pay attention. Because hardship knows no age. Hardship knows no socioeconomic level. Hardship knows no perfection or no imperfection. And I want you to know this, church. I want you to know this individually and intimately and personally so that we come to church not feeling like we're supposed to be a certain way or act a certain way, but we come to church raw and open. Something that I'm trying to teach my youth and something that I've been teaching them for the past couple of weeks is that God cares about your personality. The last thing that he wants you to be is fake. The last thing that he wants you to be is religious and, and come, to come to church and do the things that you're supposed to be doing. I mean, think about it. Think about it, you. Think about it, adults. I mean, when you're, being, when you're playing Christian, people know when you're faking it. Why are, how do they know that you're faking it? Because you're not being yourself. Allow God to use you where you are and how you are. That's what makes the biggest difference. So it doesn't matter how many times you raise up your hands. It doesn't matter how many songs you sing or how well your prayers are. If you're not being real and honest, people aren't going to believe. And as well they shouldn't. As well they shouldn't. As I said before, I know this is something that somebody here needs to hear because this is something that I need to hear. We all struggle. Pastor Dave struggles. I struggle. We all go through those seasons of life, as I said before, when we take a step back and we wonder, why? But I want you guys to know this. In and outside of religion, in and outside of what I'm supposed to say, that you are truly not alone. You're not alone uh, in our relationship with the Lord, and you have so many relating with you in the circumstances that you're in and what you're feeling right now. A lot of people just know how to hide it better. Am I right? I mean, there's a quote that I love that says, to be kind to everyone because everyone is facing a battle that you know nothing about. Everyone is facing a battle. Let me tell you something. This is something that the Lord uh, showed me a couple of years ago and it completely opened my eyes. Every person you meet, every person, doesn't matter if they're Kim Kardashian or they're the person down the, the, the row from you in, 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 in your seats here today, every single person that you meet is insecure. Every single person there is something that they don't like about themselves. Every single person that you meet is imperfect. And once you realize that, it gives you one very important thing, and that's compassion. And it gives you love because it relates us all to a perfect God, and it helps us to turn to a perfect God, no matter the circumstance, no matter the person. So you are not alone. You have a whole church of messed up people with you. Am I right? We are messed up people, but we serve a God who is perfect and wants to make something out of our life. So those feelings that you have, those seasons that we find ourselves in, are relatable to everyone because we have all faced heartbreak, isolation, and bitter loneliness where we have questioned God. I mean, it's even found in examples in his holy word. That's what I love about the Bible because we say that the Bible is the, the infallible, pure, and perfect word of God. Amen? Amen. Or, and that, that, that every single word in the Bible is perfect and true and has a purpose in our life. But I love it because it's filled with stories of imperfect people that have questioned a perfect God. 
I love that because it allows me to look at this and not try to live up to something all of the time, but look to it as, 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 as a relatable source of one imperfect person to another imperfect person. That's what I love about the Word of God because it's not based on, 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 on completely perfect people doing the completely perfect will of God, but messed up people who are trying to understand what it's like to follow God completely. I mean, you look at the Psalms, you know, Psalms 13, verses 1 through 4. This is about King David, and he's going through a hard time, and he's on his knees, and he's begging God. Have you ever been in a situation like this? 1 through 4 says, Lord, how long will you forget about me? Forever? This is God's word. Okay, this is God's word here. It says, how long will you forget about me? How long will you hide your face from me? How long will I store up anxious concerns within me, the agony that's in my mind every single day? I think we can become our worst enemy, especially when it comes to our mind. It says, how long will my enemy dominate me? It says, consider me. Verse 3 says, consider me and answer, Lord my God. Restore brightness to my eyes. Restore the joy that I once had in following you and living this life and loving my life. It says, restore brightness to my eyes. Otherwise, I will sleep in death. Can you relate, church? Have you been in those moments where you're just like, I've had enough. You just want to say, God, to heck with this, to heck with Christianity. It is too hard. Restore brightness to my eyes. Otherwise, it's all over. Verse 4 says, my enemy will say, I have triumphed over him and my foes will rejoice because I am shaken. I mean, how deep is this? Think about it. I mean, the heart, this heartfelt cry for help that is found in God's holy word where a man of God questions God's faithfulness. Have you honestly ever been in a situation like this where God was nowhere to be in sight? I mean, where, where, where the faith that you ha- have been told about and trusted was nowhere, nowhere to be found and that all you could see was the darkness around you. We've all been there. In the book of Job, oh my goodness, you ever read the book of Job? It's crazy. Where Job literally had all hell break upon him and his family. I mean, he understood this, even to the point to where his beloved wife saying, encouraging him to just curse God and die. That's rough stuff right there. I mean, come on. Think about it. Uh, poor Job, man. I mean, he had his family, his wealth, his, his, his security, you know, everything around him, his body taken away from him. And at the end of all this, to put the bow on this horrible gift, his wife says, you know what, just curse God and die. Just, you know what, this isn't worth it. You've been faithful to God. He hasn't been faithful to you. Look what he's allowing you to go through. Curse God and die. I've been in situations where I've been tempted to say the exact same thing. I mean, we look at Job's wife and we're like, man, chihuahua, mira nomás, look at this. Look at this horrible person, man. She is, she is encouraging her husband to just curse God and die. But how many times have we done that? How many times? I mean, either within our lifestyle or in the seasons that we face, when we want to say, you know what, to heck with it. I, I, I give up, or I want to give up. I just want to curse God and die. Let's be real here. The verse that I was sharing with you before comes from the book of Psalms from King David right after his third son literally tried to stab him in the back and take over his kingdom. Now, I'm the youngest of three, okay? I'm the youngest. I'm the baby of the family. I know what ticks my siblings off. I know, and I do a good job at it. 
You know, I know. I mean, come on. How many of you guys have siblings? You know what ticks them off, right? You know what pisses them off, right? Right. Absolutely. I know what gets their goat. I know what causes them to be irritated at me. And I do a good job of it. So imagine, I mean, imagine, you know, David's son who knows how to get to David, knows how to get to David's heart physically and literally stabbing him in the back and trying to take over his kingdom. And David was a man of God. David was a man who thirsted for the righteousness of God. The Bible says that he was a man who literally ran after God's heart. He literally chased after. Sure, he had his mistakes. Boy, did he have his mistakes. And his mess-ups and his follies. But at the end of the day, he chased after God's heart. Surely a good God would shield him from any and all affliction, right? Surely a good God would say, you know what? You've done well for me. I'm going to keep you from a life of pain and a life of misery. Now, I'm not saying these things with you to put a dent on your day or on your faith, but to come to grips to who we are as fallible people and who God is as the omnipotent creator and sustainer of our every breath. So in times of loneliness and desperation and questions, that those questions don't determine your faith or God's faithfulness on your circumstances or on your feelings, but on the simple fact that God is in control whether you see it or not. That he is still holding on to you even when you don't feel his arms around you. That he's still there and he's still in control. And I know I can say these things till I'm blue in the face, but I want you guys to understand that it's true. It's true. It's not just pulpit talk, okay? It's not just pew talk. It's real. We serve a God who knows what he's doing and has, has given us examples throughout our lives and through the lives of Scripture of how he is in control. Preach it. About 10 years ago, I was diagnosed with peritonitis. How many of you guys know what peritonitis is? Okay, so per, um, appendicitis is when they need to take out your appendix. Okay, peritonitis is when your appendix gets so bad that it bursts inside of your body and paralyzes your intestines. Awful thing to go through. Well, this happened to me about 10 years ago. And so <laughs> I, uh, it, it burst, my appendix burst and was infected on a Friday. I didn't go to the hospital till Sunday night. I just thought it was bad food from a graduation party, bad steak. I know. Anyways, so uh, I remember going to uh, the hospital and the doctor cursed me out. You know, these are professionals. He was like, you blankety blank, do you realize that if you would have gotten here by midnight, we would have lost you? Yeah, big deal big deal. So I was in the hospital for three weeks, and they had to drain my system. I didn't get to eat. I didn't get to drink anything. They put this horrible tube up my nose to get all the junk and the gunk out. Had a colonoscopy. Ugh. And just all of these horrible, horrible things happened to me. I mean, it was, this was, this was a literal, this was a literal hell for three weeks of my life. And at the very end of the day, to put the bow on, once again, this terrible gift, the finance advisor was like, by the way, you owe the hospital $50,500 in medical bills. $50,500 in medical bills. I'll see you in two weeks. That's what they told me. So, so two weeks later, I come back, and I, um, I'm shaking, one, because I'm, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm ill, and two, because I don't know what the heck is going to happen. You know, I, I came up with my mind this pathetic reasoning that I was just going to pay $100 a month for the rest of my life, and that's, that was my reasoning. That's how I was going to get through this horrible ordeal to me that happened out of nowhere. 
And I grew up in the church, and I was like, God, why are you allowing all these things to happen to me? I mean, I, I try to serve you faithfully. Surely you could have taken care of my body, you know? But God was like, wait. You want to see power? Shut up and wait. So two weeks later, amen. Shaking the pulpit. Two weeks later, <laughs> two weeks later, I go back to the hospital, and I'm shaking. And as I said, one, because I'm sick, and two, because I'm I'm, I'm, I'm nervous and I don't know how to approach this. So I said, God, I don't trust you in this, honest. This is something that, that is too big for me to handle. And because it's too big for me to handle, it must be too big for you to handle. Have you been in a situation like that where your frustrations and your circumstances become your God? And you end up worshiping and leaning on and trusting your circumstances rather than trusting this, than someone who would actually do something about it. That's where I was. And I remember going to the financial advisor's office and, and he sees me walking in with my little cane and I lost a whole bunch of weight and I looked horrible. And, and he comes up to me and he actually gets up out of his desk and I'm going to do something over here. And he comes up to me, if I may have your hand, and he comes up to me and he cuffs it and he shakes it and just looks me in the eye. Thank you. <laughs> almost letting me know that, you know what, this is going to be okay. This is going to be all right. And so he sits me down, and he's like, you know why you're here? And I said, yeah. He goes, and he said, before you say anything, I'd like to ask you a whole bunch of questions. And I go, great, okay. So he sits me down, and he just starts asking me, you know, my name, my income, you know, all that good stuff. And then he starts to get a little bit personal. He starts asking me, you know, my family, my family's income, uh, what uh, order of of children am I in, um, you know, if I went to church, even if I worked at a church, did I lead worship at a church? If I went to school, just all these personal questions. And then he started getting a little bit deeper, a little bit too personal. And I was thinking in my head, hey, I'm sick, and two, this is uncomfortable. Why are you asking me these things, right? So after a long array of questions, he was like, all right, give me about 15 minutes. God is at work here. So he was like, give me about 15 minutes. So I said, okay. And so I sit there. He comes back, leads me to another room, sits me down, and he says this. He says, I know I've asked you a lot of questions. And a a lot of these questions have been uncomfortable, and I apologize for that. He says, but I've asked you all of these questions because we have donors who donate to people who are specific things and who do specific things. And because you fit so many of these categories, I'm going to allow these donors to bequeath you the $50,000 you need to pay off your medical bills. In a matter of 15 minutes, I couldn't believe it. You know, like you've been in those circumstances where you feel like you're in a dream state. I just, I couldn't believe it. I asked him to repeat it. And he said, yeah, we're going to allow these donors to bequeath you the $50,000 you need to pay off your medical bills. I remember leaving the hospital just like shaking. And I ended up, you know, getting on my knees in the middle of the street and crying out to God. Remember, it was $50,500. And to put a bow on a great story, that $500 that I owed was already raised in a benefit concert in my honor uh, uh, by a couple of friends in, uh, a week before. And you know how much was raised? $500. Come on. Come on. And here I am worrying and, and, and trusting my circumstances on, on, on what I felt to be true and reasonable rather than trusting a God who does the impossible even when I don't believe that he can. Just because he can just because he can. Let me tell you something, church, and I want you to listen carefully. Your finances are nothing to God. Your, circum- your home lives aren't too broken for he, uh, he can fix them. He can fix 
the addictions that you have in your life, the things that, that, that you're going through right now, the things that you've chosen to leave in front of the church steps that you're too afraid to bring in here. He wants you to bring those things in here and, and to get right with him and allow him to restore you. Going back to Psalm uh, chapter 13, verses 1 through 4, remember it says, Lord, how long will you forget me? Forever? How long will you hide your face from me? How long will I store up anxious concerns within me, the agony in my mind every day? I love this because the same verse, that's verses 1 through 4, but 5 says this. It says, but, I love that, but I have trusted in your faithful love. I have remembered my heart will rejoice in your deliverance. I will sing to the Lord because he has treated me generously. Amen. Another version says, I have thrown myself headlong into your arms. I am celebrating your rescue. Amen. I am singing at the top of my lungs because I am so full of answered prayers. I am so full of answered prayers. I love that because King David is remembering. King David chose in the midst of his painful circumstances to remember the faithfulness of his God in the victories of his past. I mean, so many times we forget that we're still here, that we're still ticking. Come on. So many times we forget about all the battles that we have faced and all the wars that the Lord has brought us through. So many times we forget in the midst of our circumstances all the things that have, God has brought us through already to allow us to be here, to fellowship, to, to waddle in our self-pity, in our circumstances. We tend to forget there was a God that went before the storms that we were in and before the storms that we're now facing. Think about it. And yeah, sure, there's an enemy out there and he excels at blinding us of the past victories that we have won already, that God has won already. The Bible says, as you know, that, that the devil is like a roaring lion seeking somebody to completely destroy you, seeking to completely obliterate you or take you out. We know this. We've been through that. We've felt his hand. But listen to me, church, carefully. All eyes, listen carefully. The enemy may know you well, but he doesn't know you like God does. Amen. He may know of your circumstances but he doesn't know of your circumstances like God does. And he certainly doesn't know of the power of the Holy Spirit that dwells inside of you. Amen. Think about it. The power that gives you strength to say, I know this is big, but my God is bigger. Let me show you how. Amen. Empowered, most importantly, to take another step. Amen. And another step. Power that the devil himself can't even handle. That's amazing. That's the God we serve. That's a God who loves us through our trials and through our circumstances and through the times where we don't trust him. Where the time he says, or the times we say enough and strength to look up to see that whatever the circumstance, whatever the trial, wherever the valley, that God is good. And that God loves you and that God heals and that God restores and that God is faithful. Amen. Why? Because while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Because when we are faithless, 
He is faithful when we are weak. He is strong because he never grows tired or weary. Even youth may grow tired and young men may stumble and fall, but those who trust in the name of the Lord will be saved. And they will renew their strength. Guys, church, please listen to me. It's not just pew talk. It's not just church talk, but it's a guarantee. I mean, think about it. We serve a God. Logically, we serve a God who knows what knew what was going to happen yesterday, knows what's going to happen today, and knows what's going to happen tomorrow. I mean, if I serve a God that knows what's going to happen tomorrow, don't you think it makes sense logistically to trust in him knowing that he knows what's going to happen tomorrow? Think about it. It's a guarantee. And most importantly, above anything else that you hear today, know this. He is good because he so loved the world that he gave his one and only son. That whoever believes in him, whoever trusts him, whoever leans on him and takes a step back and says, I know that my circumstances are big, but my God is bigger. My God is stronger. He has proved it in the past and he will prove it in the present and in my future. He is good. All of the time. Because he is good. It's, it's more than a programmed churchy saying. It's a way of life that gets us through life and all of its seasons. Yes, he loves you. He loves you. Yes, because the Bible tells you so, but also because he proves it daily intimately without fail please listen today we all have our struggles we all have our times where we feel defeated but god knows what he's doing lean on a perfect god to get you through an imperfect world i love uh the uh, the fact that, that, that he is in control and that there's nothing uh, that we can do to separate our love from him. There's, not, there's no circumstances that we can uh, uh, put ourselves in or, or that somebody can uh, uh, tie up against us that can separate us from his love and his direction. And he's always there to pick you up and bring you back on your feet. Think about it. You know, maybe you're feeling faithless today. You know, maybe you're feeling unnoticed. We've all been there. Like you want to give up before the day has even started. Maybe at this moment you feel like you've fallen enough and just don't care to get up anymore. And you've just given up. You know, I don't care to give up. I don't care to, to get up. I've fallen too many times. I've relied on, on, on something that I thought was there for me, but now I can't do it anymore. You know what? It, to be honest, that's okay. Not that it's okay to give up, but it's okay and it's perfectly fine to feel like the world at this moment is just too heavy for you. But in the midst, listen to me, in the midst of your personal storm, breathe. Try your best to process what you're feeling and be honest with yourself. You will find that the more open you are in the dark seasons of your life, the more that God can use you to your fullest potential when others going, are going through what you are now going through. When others are facing what you are now facing. And yes, maybe you're in the trenches now, but don't stay in them. Please, allow God to use the brokenness within you to make you stronger. Allow God to use the brokenness within you to make you stronger. You may not like the cast that he chooses to heal you, but you will eventually be healed. I believe that God allows us to fall so we can learn to eventually fall upon him. 
Let me say that again. I believe that God allows us to fall so we can learn to eventually fall on Him. And I know, guys, that this is tough. I know having faith isn't easy. I know that trust falls are not easy. But be encouraged that in whatever you go through, you will always have someone there to catch you and help you back on your feet. It's in His Word. John 16, 33. Jesus is with His disciples and His disciples are freaking out and they're hearing rumors about Jesus' death and being alone and they're freaking out. And Jesus hears these things and he tells them, guys, wait up, hold on, breathe, breathe for a second. I have told you these things that in me you may have peace. Yes, I know hell's breaking all around you. I know you hear all these rumors. I know that you're in a position that's uncomfortable. But I have told you these things. I revealed all of these things to you because in me you may have peace. In this world you will have trouble. We've all been there. This is scripture. This is Jesus talking. It says, in this world, you will have trouble, but take heart, for I have overcome the world. Think about that. For I have overcome the world. It's not like he's saying he'll overcome it eventually or in time. He's saying, I've overcome it already. What do you have to be worried about? I have overcome and all you have to do is lean back and trust me and not make your circumstances your God, but make the God who can actually do something about him your God and create a life that's better and full of purpose and allow the circumstances that you go through to not just stop at where you are, but to give you the strength to make other people better when they are facing the circumstances that you are now in. As I said, use your experience to shine a light on a good God who not only heals, but restores. Restores. So the next time someone asks you, or someone tells you that God is good all of the time, I want you to take a step back and remember all of the reasons why. Remember that you are a fighter. That you are a fighter. Remember that God is good and that he loves you. So don't give up. Don't give up. And don't be afraid, even now, to come up to the altar and say, God, I can't do this. I can't do this alone. I'm tired of playing church. I'm speaking to the church leadership, too. Okay, I'm speaking to the people that are in charge and the congregation. It's okay to to show the world that you're not okay. It's okay to show the world. It's okay to show the church that you don't have it all together. That's why we come to the church. Okay, that's why we come to church, to not only be energized, but to show the world that there is a God and he uses the broken to repair the broken. So please, I know we're here. I know we're excited about Rodeo Sunday and all that's to come. But guys, leave this sanctuary clean in your mind and in your heart. And when you come to church, come to church to be energized so you can be the church for the rest of the week. That's why we're here. Let me tell you something. The tithes and offerings that we give, these are so important. These are needed. Absolutely. Praise God for them. But you really want to know what blesses God's heart? It's not you guys being here. This is great that you guys are here, but God doesn't care about pew candy. You know, He wants you here to prepare you for the rest of the week. He wants to hear because he has something important. You know what really moves God's heart? Is when you become the church in the ghettos and the dark places of the world and the places that you're not even supposed to go. 
As I said before, to show a dying world that there is a Savior and He uses the broken to repair the broken to where you go to your friends and your enemies and you say, look, I'm sorry, I might not agree with you, but I love you and God loves you. You might be a Republican, but God loves you. You might be a Democrat, but God loves you. You might be straight, but God loves you. You might be gay, but God loves you. He loves you. He loves you. He loves you. And He wants to make you better. He wants to make you known. He wants to make you into genuine children of God. Are you living your faith, church? Are you coming to church not only to hear about the word, but to be the living embodiment of grace, truth, and understanding? He loves you. What are you doing to show your appreciation? What are you doing to show that you are willing to follow him, whatever the season and whatever the circumstance? Don't give up. We are here for a reason. Whatever season you find yourself in, whatever uh, uh, trial and tribulation that you find yourself in, it's, it's sentenced to this earth. We serve a perfect God. We won't always be this way. We won't always be in these circumstances. So hold on. Be strong. Live your faith and watch God do amazing things through the circumstances that you are in. Let's pray. Holy God, I thank you, God. I don't want to preach these things because I'm supposed to, Lord, but I want to preach these things because I want my life to change. I don't want to be here, and I don't want to preach, and I don't want us to be here as a congregation because we're supposed to, uh, because we're supposed to look like we have it all together, but to come to your, to your throne, to come to your sanctuary and saying, I don't have it all together. God, help me. And even if you don't help me now, Lord, I know you have uh, something special in the midst of my circumstances. If we say we love you as a church, as a congregation, let us be prepared to show it. Let us be prepared to live it in our lives through whatever circumstances. As we sing, you are good. You are good. You're never going to let me down. You have never let me down. I'm still here. I'm still ticking. You still have a purpose for me. Even though my circumstance is hard, you are bigger, bigger and you are better than my circumstances. You can make something beautiful out of something broken. We are all stained glass windows. We are all broken pieces of glass. When you put us all together, we create something beautiful. So I pray that you would do that right here, right now. That we would be unified as broken pieces. Bring us together. Make us into something beautiful and lasting and something that the world needs to see. We love you. We give you our lives. Let us not be afraid to show our love. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. In the name that is above every other name. In the name that every knee will bow and every tongue confess, including our enemies, that Jesus Christ is Lord. We love you. Let us not be afraid to show it. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you guys. You are dismissed. (laughs) 